how would the walls of Jericho fall? Are they going to bombard it? Are they going to have ammunition? No, they just shouted and fell. It was the army of the Lord that did it. And so the next great awakening, what can we do to make it happen? Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. I had the honor once again to talk with Dr. R.T. Kendall, a dear family friend, mentor, and teacher of the Word. For those of you not familiar, Dr. Kendall is a Christian writer, speaker, and teacher who pastored at Westminster Chapel in London for 25 years. Author of more than 70 books, including his newest, We've Never Been This Way Before, Trusting God in Unprecedented Times. While R.T. was preaching recently at the Church of the Apostles, we had the opportunity to sit down and discuss his latest book. It's a commentary on this season in United States history and the purpose we can find in our recent trials. R.T. and I dig deeper into what it means to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and whether or not these trying times are a sign of God's judgment. Now on to this candid conversation. Dr. R.T. Kendall, it's always a privilege to have you. We have a, a few more minutes than we did last time. Last time I caught you in between services and you shared for about 10 minutes, and yet I think it was one of our most popular podcasts really? on forgiveness. Uh-oh. You're going to cause this to go to my head, and then I won't be fit to live with. This is, don't tell my wife that. Okay. She's not here, so we'll, we'll keep that. She probably won't listen to this either. Um, you've written a book. We've never been this way before, trusting God in unprecedented times. And it sounds like, from hearing you just briefly preaching on this, that the impetus for this was coronavirus, the racial violence and, and protesting that's been taking place in the U.S. And the question seems to be hovering around, where is God mm -hmm. in the middle of this? Can you kind of just walk us through well, those origins. I have a publisher that's published a lot of my books, and I had one ready to go. And they just, by accident, I guess you could say, phoned and said, by the way, do you have anything on your heart with regard to the present coronavirus? Well, I said, as a matter of fact, I do. They said, what is it? I said, I'm thinking of Joshua's word to the children of Israel as they're getting ready to go into Canaan. You've never been this way before. Yeah. And I said, that's been on my heart what we're going through today, nobody's been this way before. There's no precedent. Yeah. And all we can do is just follow the ark. And so I would uh, write a book on how the children of Israel did it. Oh, they said, how soon can you get that to us? Well, I just put everything aside. And, and in 30 days, I had the book ready. And uh, so I've been amazed how quick it went. And uh, that is how quickly it was done. Mm -hmm. And I hope it'll be a blessing to the church. So there are obviously two key events that have been happening as it relates to world, things that are happening in the world and the U.S. specifically. Yeah. Um, those two things being? Well, there's the coronavirus, greatest crisis arguably ever. Mm. And then while we're dealing with that, you have the racial violence that has come by what happened uh, in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, the man who was killed by a policeman, it was ruthless. It was awful. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, and Floyd. it just caused all the violence. And now we've got a double whammy. Yeah. And the question is, how could this happen? 
where is God? And I've tried to answer in the book. Well, and, and we can kind of cover a little bit of this today because you and I would both agree that God brings these things oh, yes. upon us, right? Yes. And he's working them out ultimately for his good and his glory yes. and for his people. But how do you walk a person who's really struggling with all these things and, and, and is living in quite a bit of fear? How do you walk them through that? Very good question. And that's precisely why I've written the book. Joshua told the children of Israel, keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Right. See, that's what they had to do. Wherever it went, they go. Because it, it's going to the right place. You've never been there before. Right. Just follow it. Right. And this is fulfilled in the New Testament, Hebrews 12, 2. Yeah. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. And you see, as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, yeah. there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. The, the world is full of fear. America, fear is what's happened. And I was in New York recently. Did you know all the trash cans said, do not be afraid? We're all afraid. I'm saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. You won't be afraid. Okay. Walk that out, though, because I think people throw phrases like that around, like keep your eye on Jesus. But, but what does it mean to the person, to the individual? Well, first of all, the Ark of the Covenant is a symbol of the glory of God. Right. So the book goes into that. And I talk about the family secret. Whereas we've never been this way before, I show that God knows where we have been before. And when we know that we're following a God who has already led us to this point, and we look back and we see all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Well, this same Jesus we're following now, what he's done in the past, he will do in the future. We don't need to be afraid. It's the same God. And it does require faith. I mean, this is the the thing. We believe God or we don't. Well, I choose to believe in him. And I know he has never deserted me. And I urge everybody, do not take your eyes off Jesus. He will never let you down. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And it's guaranteed you're going to be fine. Yeah. And that entails a, a to keep your eyes on Jesus, to keep your eyes on who he is and what he's done. You have to go somewhere. You have to go to the word of God yes. and read and understand to keep that continual line of sight on him. Okay. I urge two things. You need a good Bible reading plan. And um, Robert Murray McShane, the great yep. Scottish preacher, devised a Bible reading plan that Martin Lloyd-Jones talked me into using. I'm so thankful he did that. I can honestly say to you, I've read the Bible through 45 times, the New Testament 90 times, Psalms 90 times. And I'm so thankful. Uh, People say, Artie, where did you get the knowledge of your Bible? Read it. It's for anybody. And secondly, spend time with God in prayer. Children spell love, T-I-M-E. What if God spells love? T-I-M-E. How much do you pray? And so it's a time to spend time with God, reading his word, and you get to know his ways. You say, how do you get to know anybody's ways? By spending time with them. And God will show you his ways. And this is an instrument by which we draw closer to God and we think, I've never been this way before, but this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I guarantee anybody listening to me now, If you will not turn off 
from looking at Jesus. You will be so glad you did. You may not know it by tomorrow afternoon. Take my own life. The greatest crisis I was ever in years ago when I went through an injustice. It was so wrong, so unfair. Worst moment of my life. The future was bleak. I had no hope. Do you know, Jonathan, I can tell you now, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Literally, literally. And it's true with everything. God will guide your future as he has the past. My favorite hymn, Be Still My Soul. The Lord is on your side. And I would encourage everybody, pray, read your Bible. Read your Bible, pray. Pray, read your Bible. This is a time to draw close to God, and you will be so glad you did. You will never be sorry. Yeah, and probably be part of a good church, too. Well, I would urge them, if you can find one that's open, if every pulpit was like the pulpit Church of the Apostles, we would say revival has already come. But this is rare. Uh, So many pulpits have abandoned the faith, and uh, this is part of the reason I accept that God has sent judgment to America. And I, I assume in your book, you talk about the five types of judgment. Can you walk us sure, through sure. some of that so we well, can have a clear okay. picture? There's retributive judgment. That's when God gets even in the law of Moses, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's when God punishes sin, eternal punishment. It's retributive judgment. God doesn't put people in hell because he's going to make them better. It's punishment for sins. Uh, Then there's gracious judgment, partly retributive, partly gracious. Mm -hmm. Example, David, he sinned with Bathsheba, then tried to cover up the sin by murder. And God was angry, very angry. And yet Nathan the prophet said, God has taken away your sin. Mm -hmm. And God was gracious. And I would urge anybody, if you've fallen into sin, just plead with God like David did. And David had a future. And so gracious judgment, which, by the way, is what I believe is happening in America. It's gracious judgment. There's redemptive judgment where Moses lifted up the serpent of brass in the wilderness. It was redemption. And that became an example of the gospel, John three fourteen, uh, Redemptive judgment. Those that looked at the serpent were saved and they lived. And Jesus says, look at the serpent. Spurgeon used to say, there's life in a look. Uh, And Jesus was the curse, the serpent. Mm. Then there is what I would call natural judgment. Speaks for itself. You reap what you sow. You know, how did you get in this trouble? You asked for it. You reap what you sow. But the worst kind of all, silent judgment. If he is so angry, he does nothing. You see, God is not like us. When we get angry, we show it. The angrier God is, the calmer he is. Do you realize Sodom and Gomorrah did not get any warning? He just went in, fire and brimstone, destroyed them. And so the worst thing of all is God does nothing. We can be thankful. He has stepped in. There's hope for America. The difference between Israel and America, God chose Israel. We chose God. And that's our hope. And uh, that's what the book is basically about. Now, there were the two events that sort of were the impetus for writing the book, coronavirus and the George Floyd incident. Now, there are things in American society today that you think are the reason for the gracious judgment that we are under. Yeah, I mentioned four things. You might come up with others. Sure. But here's four. Racism legalized abortions, 
same-sex marriage, theological liberalism in the pulpits. Those are the four, and I can elaborate on any of those if you like. Just quickly, kind of trace us through each of them. Okay. Well, the way white Christians, for example, have treated black people and black Christians. You see, I've got to know a lot of black people. Most people don't, I'm ashamed to say, don't bother. They just say, well, they've got their problems. They, They just dismiss them. They don't even want to think about it. But I can tell you, black people, the Christians, suffer, and they've suffered from white Christians. And white Christians just just don't want to talk about it. And God's not happy with that. What would Jesus do? That's the question. When he sees black people, would he neglect them? Would he just dismiss them? Oh, no. He would love them. And I would urge white Christians, if you know any black people, just embrace them, love them. They're not ready for that, but they would love it. And I would urge that. I could go on and on. I speak as a Southern boy. I was brought up in Kentucky, and uh, I've had to preach to myself how many years I didn't bother to think about them. But I've been awakened. And uh, this is the thing. James chapter 5 talks about those who suffered. Now, the issue then was not black or white. It was rich poor. Poor Christians weren't even given their wages by rich Christians. And these poor Christians said, God, do you not notice? Do you not notice? And there are those African-Americans. They've cried out, God, don't you notice? And God says, yes. And James chapter 5, verse 4, the Lord of hosts have heard you. Your cries did reach him. How do we know God has judged America? That's just the beginning. Uh, Legalized abortions. Look what has happened since 1973, 61 million babies have been murdered. 61 million. That's almost the population of Great Britain, which is 65 million. Population of California and New York equals 61 million. That's how many babies have been killed. No conscience about it. We just say, well, you know, they're in the womb. But you realize that when Mary became impregnated, by the seed of God, the word that was made flesh, that was a human being right from the first second. And then when she goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist, the babe leaps in her womb. Two people, human beings right there. And we must never forget, and God is angry. He's angry with America, and he's angry with those who don't speak against abortion. We are required to do it. And same-sex marriage. I mean, it's not a old issue. It's a newer issue. Well, it's an attack upon God as creator. Yes. You see, it was his idea. Male and female created he them, Genesis 1.26. And God's idea of populating the world was man and woman in marriage. Well, look what's happened. We're against what God has done. And uh, until 10 years ago, Almost everybody looked at same-sex marriage as shameful until Barack Obama, who had been against it, then came out for it, and America followed him. And now there's no sense of shame, no outrage, and uh, God's angry. And then the fourth thing, theological liberalism. People deny the blood of Jesus satisfying the justice of God, the literal resurrection of Jesus from the dead, the idea of heaven and hell. It's not even thought about anymore. The need for people to be saved. Uh, evangelism. It's perished from the earth virtually. 
and uh, we need to stand for the Bible. Someone asked me, what would I love my legacy to be? And I can tell you, I wish I could leave as a legacy that there was a fear of God that people believe the Bible. If I could get people to believe the Bible, uphold the Bible, I will settle for that as a legacy. Yeah, yeah. Difficult issues uh, that we face, but your point, I think, rings clear. Keep your eyes on Christ. Exactly. Uh, as he leads and guides us through, you know, obviously a word, a cliche word nowadays, but the unprecedented times that we face. Yep. And your hope for the future. What's your outlook? It is my conviction that this will end in the next great awakening. I have a whole chapter on that in the book. Uh, how can that be? It will be as miraculous as the walls of Jericho falling. You see, the, the book follows the children of Israel uh, right from chapter 3 to chapter 6 in, in the book of Joshua. And you wonder, why was this commander of the Lord's army that Joshua said, are you for us or for our enemy? And Joshua needed to learn a lesson. It's not about him. It's about honor of God. And then when he says commander of the army of the Lord, who would have thought about army? What do you mean army of the Lord? How would the walls of Jericho fall? Are they going to bombard it? Are they going to have ammunition? No, they just shouted and fell. It was the army of the Lord that did it. And so the next great awakening, what can we do to make it happen? We just wait on God. Be unashamed of the stigma. They must have felt like fools walking around Jerusalem. What are you doing that for? We feel like fools upholding the gospel. We're by ourselves. People laugh at us. Just stay there. Suddenly, God's going to step in. And that way, he'll get all the glory. It won't be a Billy Graham. It won't be some famous evangelist. And I'm all for them. I thank God for them. But this time, God will do it. And we'll see he got our attention at last. I think sometimes people hear awakening and, and I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I think some people hear that and they think that means things will go back to the way they were. And I know you don't agree with that, but I, I'm curious what your word for that person would be. Well, I don't say to you, Jonathan, that I know everything. I've got two thoughts. One, Matthew 25 says, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And it says at midnight, the cry came, the bridegroom comes. A lot of people hastily assume that midnight is 12 o'clock. As you know, the Greek means middle of night. It's when the church is in a deep, deep sleep, expecting nothing. Now, I believe the next move of God will be like that. Whether it will be eschatological, which wouldn't surprise me. Sure. Whether it is the end. That would not surprise me because I happen to hold that the next thing to happen on God's calendar is the awakening of the church before the end. It doesn't set well with some premillennialists or postmillennialists, but I'm not trying to please anybody. I'm just telling you what I think Matthew 25 says. So if life goes on after the next awakening, it's all right with me. It's It's not my problem. But I do think the next thing to happen, that what God has done is not for nothing. It could be eschatological, wouldn't surprise me if it is, but minimally, it's to get our attention, and whether it begins a new era, unprofitable speculation. Well, I haven't actually read it yet, because you just gave it to me, but uh, we've never been this way before, trusting God in unprecedented times, and um, we'll have more details on how people can purchase that. 
Dr. R.T. Kendall, it's always a privilege to sit down and talk with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Jonathan, you are tomorrow's man, and I pray God to bless you because your time is coming. Thank you, brother. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.